I read all the best Bitcoin content out there so that you can listen. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read with Guy Swan. What is up and welcome back to the Crypto Economy with Guy Swan. That is me, your host, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. And we are starting in this week going through all the pieces of the Bitcoin Times Volume 2, which we've actually uh, just recently read The Passion of the Believers by Hass McCook, which is actually um, a friar Hass on Twitter. And that is actually one of the pieces in uh, the second edition of the Bitcoin Times. Uh, and today we will be jumping into Gigi's, which you can find him as Dirgigi on, uh, on Twitter. And we will be jumping into his piece, Bitcoin's Eternal Struggle. How Bitcoin thrives on the edge between order and chaos. Bitcoin works. No matter what other opinions you hold about this strange phenomenon, it undoubtedly works, marches on, or as I and others have previously argued, is alive. Even if most of the world would grind to a halt, the Bitcoin network would continue to produce valid blocks every 10 minutes or so. Bitcoin works because of many things. Game theory, economic incentives, cryptography, ingenious engineering, resilience on a network level, and so on and so forth. Killing Bitcoin is hard. Really hard. Killing Bitcoin is like killing an idea. An idea that is stuck in the heads of hundreds of thousands of zealous individuals. First of all, it is quite hard to shut down the internet globally. And secondly, Bitcoin can transcend the internet. Everything which can transmit data can be used to transmit Bitcoin transactions. And everything which can hold data can store a copy of Bitcoin's blockchain. It's just a ledger. The whole thing is just information. Curiously, the Bitcoin network is embodying the eternal struggle of life, the struggle against entropy, a battle on the edge between order and chaos. To understand this chaotic struggle and how Bitcoin thrives because of it, it is helpful to briefly discuss the following concepts, entropy, randomness, and information. I hope to convince you that these concepts are related and that they are essential in Bitcoin's ongoing struggle for survival. Let's dive in. Entropy. In computing, entropy can be used to measure the randomness of a data source. In cryptography in general, and in Bitcoin in particular, a good source of entropy is essential to keep you secure. Mess up the entropy of your private key, aka your seed phrase, and your Bitcoins will be my Bitcoin soon. Note, the technical term for this unwanted transfer of coins is rept. You don't need to know what getting rept means in detail or the many ways in which you can get rept. It is enough to know that you should avoid such a situation at all costs. Entropy is quite a complicated concept, but in general terms, it describes how random or how compressible something is. High entropy is randomness. Low entropy is orderliness. Or in other words, with a nod to Shaki Weissman, 
High entropy is not very compressible. Low entropy is very compressible. There are complicated formulas and quite a few disambiguous definitions of entropy. The concept finds applications in classical thermodynamics, statistical thermodynamics, quantum statistical physics, order and disorder, life, astrophysics, and more. It is also a measure of irreversibility. In Bitcoin, reversibility and irreversibility are probabilistic. If enough people with enough hash power collude, transactions could be reversed. Absolute irreversibility does not exist in Bitcoin. Final settlement is never final, but always probabilistic. Yes, the chances of reversal might be beyond astronomical, but nevertheless, final settlement does not and should not exist in Bitcoin. Nakamoto consensus forbids it. Quote, The first law of thermodynamics, also known as the law of conservation of energy, states that energy cannot be created or destroyed in an isolated system. The second law states that the entropy of any isolated system always increases. And the third law states that the entropy of a system approaches a constant value as the temperature approaches absolute zero. End quote. Knutz von Holm. In Bitcoin, entropy is important for multiple reasons. 1. Secret information should be generated by high-entropy data sources. 2. New blocks reverse entropy locally, i.e. create order out of chaos. 3. Bitcoin's security model relies upon chaotic processes. 4. Validation relies on deterministic processes. 5. Everyone can validate structured data. 6. Nobody can guess random data. While the above speaks in absolutes, everybody and nobody, the truth is more nuanced. Again, Bitcoin is probabilistic in nature. Thus, in theory, one could guess a private key, just like, in theory, you could find a billion valid blocks in one millisecond. Details aside, we will try to keep it simple here. In general, if you have two coins, the entropy of this system is 2, as in, you can describe the whole system with two bits, 0, 0, 0, 1, 1, 0, or 1, 1. Flip both coins at the same time and you will end up with either tail, 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 heads, heads, tail, or heads, heads. If you are a fair coin flipper, the chance of each combination will be 25%. Imagine a system that flips hundreds of coins at once, and you have something which could be used to generate a private key. Randomness Randomness is essential to cryptography. At the root of all secret communication is some form of information asymmetry. You know something a potential eavesdropper does not. A good secret is like a good password randomly generated, i.e. coming from a data source that has a high degree of entropy. If something is, quote, perfectly encrypted, an eavesdropper cannot distinguish what was said from random data. This is the purpose of proper encryption. You want to hide what was said and, if possible, 
even hide the fact that something meaningful was said at all. Good randomness is not compressible, is high entropy, secret, and secure. Bad randomness is compressible, low entropy, guessable, and insecure. Bitcoin doesn't use encryption per se. The ledger is public and transparent by design, enabling anyone to audit the whole system with the will to do so. Bitcoin uses cryptographic signatures and cryptographic hashes, both of which produce quasi-random outcomes. And if you know the secret, you can unlock some coins using your private key, add new blocks to the blockchain using the nonce you found, or prove that you are who you say you are by signing a message which at least proves that you are in control of one or multiple keys. Only you know your private key. Nobody else should know your private key. Only you, the successful miner, found the nonce for the next block. That is information asymmetry. That is what makes Bitcoin work. All cryptographic systems work because of information asymmetry. And curiously, properly encrypted data is indistinguishable from random data. Otherwise, an eavesdropper could make some sense of the encrypted message, which in turn would mean that the encryption used isn't very good. Information What is information anyway? People often say that Bitcoin is thermodynamically secured. While this is true, I'd like to dig a little deeper. What does thermodynamically secured mean exactly? It means that, as far as we know, changing things in our universe requires energy. When I say, quote, changing things, I mean it. Change anything at all in our universe and you will need to use energy. Put in some work to change that thing. Move a chair, you have to put in some work. Grow a tree, you'll need the energy of the sun to turn CO2 into wood. Do a calculation. Energy is required to manipulate whatever is holding the data. Store the outcome. You'll need energy to arrange and protect the atoms for storage, no matter what medium is used. Bitcoin lives mostly in the informational realm. And just like all other information systems, it needs to store and process the information via a physical medium. Thus, if you change information in Bitcoin, you effectively change a thing in the real world. Whether that thing is a solid-state disk, USB stick, hard drive, optical storage medium, or something else, doesn't matter. The fact that changing things, or in other words, flipping bits, requires energy, is the root conundrum of all computation. It is the reason why your computer makes a bunch of noise and gets hot if it does a lot of, quote, thinking. It is the reason that computer science students have to study the big O notation, and software companies love to ask questions about it. Changing a zero into a one requires work, and no matter how fast you are working, you still need to expend some amount of energy. According to physics, there literally is no such thing as a free lunch. Flipping bits is work, which requires energy. And here is the thing. 
Bitcoin utilizes the fact that the difference between hard computational problems and exponentially hard computational problems is big, mind-bogglingly big. All right, back to our original question. What is information anyway? Information relates to both knowledge and meaning. It is the opposite of not knowing, and the opposite of information in data is randomness. In other words, if you are not able to make sense of some data, it might appear random to you. Sensible information is quite compressible. Nonsense information is not very compressible. Pi might help to clear up what I'm trying to say. 3.14159265358979 etc. can be compressed into pi, or the circumference of a circle with the diameter of 1. As a computer programmer, you could think of this concept as follows. Can I write a computer program that generates the information I'm trying to convey, which is actually shorter than the information itself? That's what I mean when I say compressible. In short, sense and nonsense, order and chaos, or information and randomness are intricately linked. One could say that they are two sides of the same coin, and both concepts are related via something we call entropy. Information implies structure, and structure benefits from redundancy. The most ancient structures in nature have been adapted for survival by evolution. At the root of it is DNA, two chains that coil around each other to form a double helix. Symmetric, redundant information. The properties which allow DNA to survive and thrive are embedded in its processes. Redundant structure, a copying mechanism that relies on this structure. The baked-in error correction, which leads to four bases instead of two, etc. Bitcoin, in comparison, is simpler. One chain, two bits. No error correction, information is copied perfectly. However, as with DNA, the properties which allow Bitcoin to survive and thrive are embedded in the replication process, a chaotic race to find new blocks replication of blocks in the network, and replication of the software and the ledger on as many nodes as possible. Further, when we talk about the Bitcoin organism, error correction is equivalent to being alive. The network self-validates with every beat of the heart, every 10 minutes or so. This is what makes the Bitcoin organism extremely robust as well. It is designed for survival. In Bitcoin, high entropy information is usually kept secret. Your private key should, as the name implies, be kept private. It is for your eyes only. Which particular nonce you tried, i.e. the work you already did when mining a new block, is usually kept private as well. You don't want your competitors to know which numbers produce invalid blocks and can be skipped. Bitcoin utilizes both order and chaos to create a system that grows and even thrives between these extremes. It utilizes information asymmetry 
and an ingenious incentive structure which leads to a global competition to find Bitcoin's secrets. Which processes are orderly, which are chaotic, and how Bitcoin is able to grow on the edge between order and chaos will be explored in the next section. Growth between order and chaos. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. I need a drink and uh, we can hit our sponsor and then we will jump back in on this section. Growth between order and chaos. What makes the Bitcoin network tick? Again, there might be many answers to this question, but the only thing that is truly ticking in the Bitcoin network is the global clock, a block clock, where every block is one unit of time. Currently, we call this process mining because new Bitcoins are generated for every valid block that is mined. Read, found. We call this the block subsidy, and it is an incentive structure to bootstrap the network. In a sense, the Bitcoin organism grows on the edge between order and chaos. Finding new blocks is a chaotic process, and its result is a very orderly list of transactions. The Bitcoin blockchain, also known as the ledger. From a, quote, finding new blocks point of view, we are still extremely early, only roughly 10 years in. The block reward era will go on until the year 2140 or so, which means that we are about 13% into the bootstrapping phase of Bitcoin, the reward era. Satoshi undoubtedly knew that this was a long game. The era where fresh blocks are associated with a reward is only one phase of the Bitcoin game. Note that this phase is 6,930,000 blocks long. With an average block time of about 10 minutes, the reward era turns out to be 131 years long. There will be a time where those who are tasked with finding new blocks are rewarded mostly via the network's fee market, as Dan Held brilliantly argued in Bitcoin Security is Fine. The point in time where the fee market takes over will be somewhere between the year 2020 and 2140. Either that or a Bitcoin will die, or some museum computers will try to find new blocks at an economic loss. After this point in time, we will probably still talk about mining Bitcoin, even though all the miners won't be producing any new Bitcoins. All 21 million Bitcoin, or 2 quadrillion, 99 trillion, 999 billion, 997 million, 690,000 sats, to be precise, will have been mined. No new Bitcoin will be added to the pool of existing coins in circulation. Miners, if we still call them that, will still try to find new blocks, mind you, but the Bitcoin moved by these blocks will have a long economic history. Gone are the days where miners award themselves new Bitcoin in the Coinbase transaction to be spent after 100 blocks. Will Bitcoin still exist in 5,000 years? and eventually beat gold as the de facto money of humanity? I don't know, but important information is extremely hard to kill. I expect Bitcoin to live for a very long time, 
just like ancient scriptures and religious texts survive to this day. It is just information, all of it, and it can transcend the medium it is printed on. Of course, I expect something approximating hyper-Bitcoinization to have happened until this point. We will have a circular Bitcoin economy, and Bitcoin banks will globally settle vast amounts of value between them. What private citizens, or sovereign individuals to use a more fitting term, will use is yet to be seen. I doubt that the Bitcoin base layer will be used by persons like you and me, and that's perfectly fine. With the stage set and concepts like order, information, randomness, and entropy in mind, let's take a look at some Bitcoin concepts. We will distinguish them visually from chaotic, left, to orderly, right. Chaos. High entropy, randomness, brute force, and mining. And on the right, we have order, sequential, orderly, unambiguous, verifiable. And in the middle, we have the chain tip. A fight for reward and fresh blocks are endangered by reorgs. While the framing of order and chaos is useful, it is neither precise nor universally applicable. However, I believe that thinking about the parts which make Bitcoin tick in this way is a helpful exercise. And I believe that the core point that Bitcoin lives, grows, and thrives on the edge between order and chaos is profoundly true. Starting from the left, at the most chaos, we have nonces and private keys, or secret information. Moving toward the right, we have fresh, valid blocks before broadcast. We have attacks and malicious reorgs and consensus bugs. And then as we reach the middle, at the chain tip between order and chaos, we have fresh, valid blocks after broadcast. Orphan blocks, public keys, unconfirmed transactions, addresses, and then at the most verifiable and most orderly end, we have blocks, confirmed transactions, the ledger, and buried blocks, the public information, and the supply and difficulty adjustment. Let's ponder on these concepts for a bit. Private key, chaotic information, very high randomness, secret information which is best kept private, maximum entropy for maximum security. If your private key is not random, you're going to have a bad time. Nonce, chaotic information, high randomness, a nonce is a specific number. Miners are in constant competition to find the next nonce which produces a valid block. Multiple numbers might fit the criteria, but the mining process is very much like finding one random number. A fresh block before broadcast. Newly found blocks are the outcome of the chaotic process, which is finding a nonce. Before blocks are broadcast, blocks can be understood as secret information. Fresh blocks can be ambiguous, since multiple blocks can form a valid chain tip at the same time. It is in your best interest to broadcast a fresh block immediately to everyone to reap the reward. Fresh blocks are only held back if you are an attacker, or very stupid, or both. Chain tip. 
Forming the chain tip is a process which is mostly orderly, but again, it is generated by a chaotic process. As mentioned above, the chain tip can be ambiguous. One version of the chain tip will survive. The losing versions will become orphan blocks. You can validate the correctness of all information in all blocks up to the chain tip. The chain tip reflects the current time in Bitcoin. Orphan blocks. Orphan blocks are part of the orderly, natural growth process of the Bitcoin blockchain. Valid blocks are discarded on a regular basis. If two valid blocks are found at roughly the same time, they fight a probabilistic battle for survival. In the long run, only one block can win this race. The losing block will become an orphan block and die a lonely death. Unconfirmed Transactions Orderly structure which can be easily validated. An unconfirmed transaction can be valid or invalid. Valid transactions are included in blocks based on economic incentives, which is, again, a probabilistic, market-driven process. Invalid transactions are discarded. Buried blocks. Orderly structure generated by a chaotic process some time ago. The possibility of a reorg or reorganization of buried blocks becomes exponentially unlikely because the probabilities against it multiply. Example, if every block has a 50% chance to reorg, the chance of a six-block reorg would be 1.5%. Actual numbers are closer to 0.31% per block and 0.000000000008875% for a six-block reorg. Confirmed Transactions orderly structure which can be validated very easily. Irreversibility is probabilistic and dependent on block height. Once a transaction is confirmed, it becomes more final the deeper it is buried in the blockchain. Public keys. Extended public keys, XPUB, YPUB, ZPUB, are generated by a deterministic process from a random seed, your private key. Block time. Valid blocks are found, on average, every 10 minutes. This is what makes the Bitcoin network tick. Bitcoin's heartbeat is extremely regular when measured in blocks. While still regular when measured in human time, mining is a fundamentally probabilistic process, and thus there is a real possibility that some blocks are found very quickly or comparably late. Difficulty Adjustment while the difficulty adjustment is a very orderly process, it can be a bit chaotic if hash power changes drastically, as it did in August 2017, because of the contentious Bcash hard fork. Difficulty adjustment is based on block time, which is only probabilistically linked to human time. Bitcoin supply. Bitcoin supply is fixed since its inception. The issuance of new Bitcoin is embedded in Bitcoin's consensus code and is thus virtually impossible to change. The whole ledger, or deeply buried blocks, aka the Bitcoin blockchain. Orderly, sequential, structure, which is pretty much unambiguous up to the chain tip and can be validated by everyone. And ledger validation. Validation is an orderly, sequential process. 
The outcome of this process is a simple Boolean value for each block, true or false, valid or invalid. Every node arrives at the same block height independently, which is what forms Nakamoto consensus. The fact that all of the above, the whole machinery, works in concert to provide a yes or no answer to the question, is this what actually happened, will never cease to amaze me. Let me repeat the above. The whole purpose of the Bitcoin organism is to decide what happened, when, and to whom. How much does everyone have, and how did this come to be? The how is important because it allows everyone to audit everything and come to the same conclusion. In short, Bitcoin utilizes chaotic processes, mining, private key generation, and information asymmetry, public information which is widely shared, secret information which is not shared at all, to build up a structured, orderly, and permanent record that can be audited and verified by everyone. This is Bitcoin. This is Nakamoto Consensus. This is the innovation, and this is also what makes Bitcoin the best and hardest money that ever existed on planet Earth. You might call it open, permissionless, borderless, neutral, censorship-resistant, public, sound, anti-fragile, and a couple of other adjectives. I call it life. And we all call it Bitcoin. By Gigi, September 2019. And that was Bitcoin's eternal struggle. How Bitcoin thrives on the edge between order and chaos. And again, this is one of the many articles published in the Bitcoin Times uh, second edition. Uh, that uh, I'm not even sure if uh, all the pieces have now been posted on Medium. But I don't think I've gotten a PDF copy in my email yet. I might have to go back and look through. Um, but I highly, highly recommend uh, going and actually checking that out and signing up to uh, get your get an official copy of it. And they're going to be selling a uh, physical copy, like a limited edition physical copy, which I'm I'm going to be trying to get my head, hands on. Uh, so uh, this I loved the first edition, which we have read on the show, and might need. I think I have released it as its own uh, its own episode, and this one will probably get a a full like audiobook read version because this is really great. I've, I haven't read all the pieces yet um, personally. Uh, we've only done two on the show, and I think I've read four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think we're going to come back if I have enough time tomorrow. I want to read um, uh, Breed Love's piece, Bitcoin and the Tyranny of Time Scarcity. It's a little bit longer, but it's really good. Um, and we've got so many more left to dig into this. Um, Proof of Work, The Fundamental Laws of Physics and Nature by Rory Highside. Uh, Information Theory of Money by Dan Held. The Cat is Out of the Bag by Nick Carter. Um, and The Rise of the Individual by Alexander Svetsky. Uh, that, one, that one is the one I'm in the middle of reading right now. It's really good, very sovereign individual-esque. If you haven't uh, read that one yet, the, the book, um, all highly recommended. Uh, and uh, one that really goes along with the theme that Gigi uh, really hits in this piece is um, uh, is the book I have on the Bitcoin 
uh, survivor's book list on the cryptoeconomy.com. Um, uh, the drunkard's walk. Uh, oh. website doesn't exist. That's not good. Oh no, here we go. I can't type. Um, but the Bitcoin survivors book list, um, it's really fun. If you really want to dig into, uh, more just the concept of uh, randomness and probability and, and how it applies to our lives and how we misinterpret things or we, we give narratives to things that are actually better explained by just random chance. Um, and it's called The Drunkard's Walk, How Randomness Rules Our Lives. It's a fascinating book. I highly recommend it. Um, but, uh, but this one in particular, uh, Gigi's piece, uh, Bitcoin's Eternal Struggle, um, is a really fun way to think about Bitcoin and how, like, really at this, it, it's, a, it's this crazy, elaborate, like, um, I don't know, it's like a marriage between all of this, between this information asymmetry, between these processes of order and chaos to create this orderly and long-lasting thing, this, this, this system that can organize people, that, that will organize us around it to create a, a system of honesty and, and truth, to, to create a system of trade, integrity in trade. And, and that's why... Um, even uh, talks toward more towards the end of it, that, like I think most people will not be using the base chain, and that's perfectly fine. Do you think about it like the amount of security, the amount of assurance that this system gives is so profound and so unique in the digital realm, in not even the digital realm, in just any idea of any ledger or historical piece of information anywhere. The the level of assurance that this thing gives is unparalleled and it is strictly because of this incredible relationship between all of these different pieces and because of that it's very likely that because of the incredible amount of security the shocking amount of value that this thing can provide or protect really um uh in, in regards to the information that it carries uh will price out everyday uh exchanges it, it just will um, and it won't make sense. It doesn't make sense to use it for that anyway. Uh, in fact, the Bitcoin Times Volume One, uh, Alex Van Alexander Svetsky has a number of really good analogies that he goes into about the incredible overkill of attempting to use a system like this for buying coffee or something like that, which we can leverage its security easily. We can build. We can even build proof of stake systems on top of Bitcoin if we wanted to. Um, don't see it as a huge, huge benefit, but. We can make all the uh, level of trade-offs and extensions of that security necessary to get the amount needed for something like a coffee transaction. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. Not only is that perfectly fine, that's exactly what a market is going to do. It's going to figure out how best to apply this incredible tool that we have at our, at our disposal and to make sure it does not get wasted on something that doesn't need it. And he actually, he, he suggests that, you know, the base layer might not even be used by people like you or I, but I think it's less that, that it won't be used by, uh, by the average person in the sense of like transactions and in, in the sense of like everyday exchange. But I think it will absolutely be used. I think it will be used in the same way, uh, and to the same degree by the average person that, uh, we need to go to court or um, withdraw from, like, close or open a bank account, quote-unquote, 
like like to that degree, something that you have to do once every couple of years or once every five years or something where there is some sort of disagreement or uh, there is some sort of arbitration needed or some sort of large shift in uh, financial movement or uh, location or system that, you know, your finances or your your ownership or your value is um, uh, uh, secured by that when those things happen, that will be the interaction with the Bitcoin base layer. But that for the vast majority of the time, when things are simply working, there is no need to... Bitcoin is a brilliant and undeniable arbiter of, uh, of, of, of final ownership. And that does not need to be wasted. The, the hell if somebody needs to be uh, writing actual information to that just to go to the store and pick something up. I think it was Alex... Uh, uh, analogy that said it's like using a forklift to carry a, carry a bag of groceries or something like that. But I think with the extension of these chains and thing like it's like it's like all the tools, all the pieces of you know what makes a forklift or a, a, a you know huge tractor that can carry enormous amounts of weight or um, you know a uh, a container ship uh, or a, a container on like a, a huge ship that can carries enormous amounts of value from you know one country to the next. Like we're still utilizing that when you know I buy something at a grocery store when I, uh, you know when I'm purchasing like a toy for somebody you know buying Christmas presents or whatever, like I'm getting the value out of that container that shipped it halfway around the world, but I'm not using the container to get it from the store, um and and in doing so it will organize the vast majority of economic value exchange of economic ownership and it will be the final arbiter of who owns what all around the world and it will be specifically the money for enemies it will be it will be that which we rely on when everything else fails us and the the just enormous number of pieces that are at work both in strict incontestable validation in in unbelievable assurance and um just absolutely 100 percent no ambiguity whatsoever between tools like that between the elements of it like that and then the elements that are entirely based in entropy entirely based in asymmetric information and uh a, a total and complete randomness um the the inner working between those two things to create such a system is it really is profound, and it's such a fun thing to dive into, and this was such a fun, I really do enjoy this piece. Um, I've enjoyed everything I've read in the Bitcoin Times Volume 2 so far, or Edition 2, um, so highly, highly recommend it, guys. Um, and uh, I didn't actually go into um, what the little graphic, I did kind of explain um, what was going on in the graphic, but it's actually, a, it's actually an image of... Uh, random noise in just tons of little different colored dots, just like as if you're watching like a you know old tube television or whatever, and there's just noise on the screen, um, except that it's all the different colors of the rainbow. And then you've got, and he's got like a spectrum of like the most chaotic noise, and then it slowly gradually becomes the different bands of you know the the actual spectrum of colors. Um, and that's that's where he like lays everything, the attacks, the fresh blocks, the broadcasted and unbroadcasted, the addresses, the private keys and nonces and all these things. He lays them out on this little graphic, this little like uh, like technicolor 
from randomness to uh, to the clean color spectrum uh, band that he's got in here. And he uses it a number of different times. It's a pretty neat little uh, uh, visualization. So if you wanted to see that, go check out the article. Obviously, I'll have the link on uh, to the Medium page, and I'll have the link to the actual Medium page of the Bitcoin Times um, uh, so that you can see all of these pieces. Um, the foreword, I have not read, but it, it, I'll read it in the... Um, it's by Alexander Svetsky. And I'll be reading that as part of the full read when we get that released. Um, and uh, uh, the Bitcoin Times has its own little medium page. And this is at Timeless Bitcoin. That is the, I believe that's the, the Twitter handle, if I'm not mistaken. Timeless Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so it's BitcoinTimes.news is the website. And at Timeless Bitcoin is uh, the, uh, the Twitter handle. Uh, you should definitely be following because they're going to be having uh, Alex and Amber, uh, the the company that he's this basically funding all of this uh, Alex company, um, are basically going to be doing this regularly. I think it's like by by yearly. I th I think I, I can't even remember now. Um, but really really good stuff. And of course, do not miss uh, Gigi's other work. Uh, Dare Gigi. Uh, he just published. Um, 21 lessons of the Bitcoin rabbit hole as a book uh, so you can um, uh, uh, so you can actually get your own copy I've actually I, I just messaged him the other day or excuse me earlier today um, and uh, I've got it sitting in my Amazon checkout I haven't done it yet because there's a number of other things that I need to include in my Amazon but I'm getting my own copy of the 21 lessons that is such a good piece if you haven't read it listened to it or you know have get your own Bitcoin copy or your own uh, hard copy of the book, um, definitely, definitely recommended. Um, I'm tr I'm slowly stashing a collection of all all the Bitcoin books. I've got my little Bitcoin book. I've got Inventing Bitcoin. Um, I've got a uh, uh, Svan Holmes uh, Sovereignty Through Mathematics. I'm about to get my 21 Lessons. I got Mastering Bitcoin. Uh, my collection continues to grow, and I know there's an oh a Bitcoin Standard. There's a number of other ones that I either don't have or I, I'm working on getting and. Uh, so much great stuff in all of these pieces. Highly, highly recommended. So uh, we will we will just close that here. Uh, here. Um, love this piece. Uh, thank you to Gigi, uh, per usual, for the amazing writing. Thank you to Alex Svetsky for the Bitcoin Times. Such a neat idea and such a cool collection of stuff. There's eight writers this time. And I can only... This is... This is addition to... The, vo the first volume was great. The second one is even better and i'm so excited to see uh, what they continue to produce with this um a really really cool really cool thing that's just available for free and uh that's pretty awesome i love the amount uh, the amazing amount of free uh writing and just brilliance that so many of the people in this space uh, are providing it's just it's just a really cool thing to be a part of so thank you guys for listening. Do not forget to subscribe to The Crypto Economy and check out thecryptoeconomy.com. Uh, one thing that I've got, uh, obviously I've got my book list, The Drunkard's Walk, How Randomness Rules Our Lives is something that I think really goes in line with what we read today. Um, and it's a really, really good book. Uh, so many other great pieces on the Bitcoin Survivors book list if you haven't checked it out. And uh, also you can find a bunch of collections of to a the whole you know the whole bitcoin times volume one in audio um 
and uh, literally hundreds of other amazing pieces in the space by all the authors that are in the Bitcoin Times. I've got numerous of each of the authors that we're about to read from. Uh, and Alexander Svetsky's got a bunch of other great work um, uh, on the show. Uh, I might actually try to get together a collection of all of this stuff. And I'm right now getting a collection for Unchained Capital. So keep an eye out for that. I'll have that out soon. Uh, so many good pieces up there. Literally just an ocean of stuff to check out. Don't forget to, to, to subscribe to the show and check out thecryptoeconomy.com. I am Guy Swan. I am turning all of the best in Bitcoin into the audio versions they deserve. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, plus get access to the Crypto Economy crew telegram and hang out with all the crew in the crypto economy, um... Uh, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash the crypto economy. And uh, I thank you for anyone who can do that. As little as a dollar a month will get you into that Telegram group where we talk about all kinds of psychotic stuff, um, <laughs> mostly about Bitcoin. Uh, and uh, obviously, if you cannot do that, the one thing that you can always do to help this show and bring more people into Bitcoin and get them to the works of all to hear, to hear and consume all the works of the most brilliant people in this space who are endlessly providing this work and these amazing ideas and fleshing out the concepts and the, the, the game theory and the economics behind this incredible innovation, that they're doing all of this for free and that uh, you can get almost all of it available here. Everything that I can manage to get in with the limited time that I have available to me We'll be reading all about that tomorrow, The Tyranny of Time Scarcity by Robert Breedlove. Um, so uh, uh, that's, what, that's what we do here. That is the crypto economy. That's why I do what I do. And I am Guy Swan. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. Until next time, take it easy, guys.